I'm going uh, I'm to go another direction for one more moment, and then we'll get on target. Is that okay? How many of you were here in our church uh, when we met in the gym for about a year? When, when Cindy and I uh, first came here, the, Andy was the chairman of the pulpit committee. He said, oh, we're making just a few adjustments in the sanctuary. A few adjustments? Goodness gracious. They had gutted that thing and were uh, completely renovating. But we met in here. Uh, I came in January. We were here till August. And I have very fond memories of that time because it helped me bond with people pretty quick because there's nowhere to hide in here, is there? I mean, you're... You, you know, you're, you're uh, again, the balcony is right there. It, it's uh, the back row is not far. It does confuse me because none of y'all are sitting where you normally sit. It's just in the middle. Yeah. And then just Brian and, and a couple of, uh, there's Monty right there now. I right? got him right straight dead ahead. You know, there's an old saying, which I believe it's true. The way to a man's heart is through his what? His tummy. His tummy. The way the pastor's heart is through ice cream and chocolate pie. No question about that. Specific. We want to be specific on that. Well, this evening, I I have a proposition uh, that I want to give to you. I think that the way to God's heart is through prayer. It's through prayer. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures, but Matthew 6 primarily tonight. And we're in a sermon series that we've titled Knowing and Growing, Knowing Christ more and more and growing in our relationship with Christ. We talked our first week about how God has created us and created us to fellowship with him. And last week about spending time alone with God. And and let's do a quick review uh, on that. Your daily time with God is your top priority. I really believe it should be your, your, your priority we looked at this, just a real quick review, Mark one thirty-five. you remember that from last week, it says, and rising very early, the morning, while well, it was morning, if I get this wrong, you know why I'm getting it wrong, was still dark, he departed and he went out to a desolate place and he checked his emails. <laughs> no, what did he do? He prayed, he prayed. And the priority of Jesus' life we see was that what we would say maybe is your quiet time, however you want to define it, the daily devotional, it was getting along with God. And what I tried to say y'all last week, I believe this with all my heart, the key to your life, as I'm talking to Christians this evening, you're not a Christian, we're going to give you a chance to remedy that problem before you leave here. But if you are a Christian, I believe the priority of your life needs to be time alone with God. Now here's the premise tonight. Our prayer time ought to be the top priority of our devotional time. I know that's a little bit wordy, but we're going to set aside time to to get along with God. And when we do, and we're going to be looking the next few weeks at several things that we should do in this time alone with God. We're going to be looking at Bible study, Scripture, remember, things like that in the weeks ahead. But I believe the priority that we ought to focus on first and foremost is our prayer time. Now, when I was a young Christian, I met with an assistant pastor at the church where I was going to, and he was young too, very nice guy, had been very influential in my life, and, and we were talking about what's more important, praying or reading your Bible, and he said, well, reading your Bible is more important, and I remember that day, uh, I, now I want you to hear everything I'm going to say here, because I want you to think I'm saying something that's heretical or, or, or evil, I remember leaving going, you know, I think the most important thing in my life is my prayer life. Now, we desperately need both. You can't neglect your Bible and be healthy spiritually. But if you neglect your prayer life, 
you, you're going to be a Pharisee is what you're going to become. You're going to be someone who knows the Bible, but you just don't know God very well. So I believe that the priority, if I'm in a rush and I can only do one thing, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And, and this is what we see our master did. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, we saw this last week, it says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and read his devotional book. Man, I love devotional books. I've probably read 50 devotional books uh, in the last 35 years. I love devotional books. But it's interesting, and the Bible never is wrong in anything it states, is that when it talks about Jesus getting alone, what was he doing? Man, he, he was praying. I believe it ought to be the priority of our life. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it's a great verse. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. and When he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to preach. We want to be like Chris when we grow up. That's a new modern translation. And uh, teach us how to pray. Now, now folks, I want to talk about this more in just a moment. But think about this. They saw Jesus all the time. And they, they were beginning to see. These guys were slow, remember? They were a little bit dim-witted like us. They had to be Baptists, right? Because they had to learn lessons over and over and over again. It, but, but, but they saw that the dots connected his power, his love, his relationship with God, how he dealt with people. They connected it to his what? Prayer. To his prayer life. So I believe that should be our priority. So let's go to number two, how, approaching God properly when we pray. We're going to pray. We're going to set aside time in the morning to pray. We're going to set aside time in the evening to pray. You need time where you get along with God. We need to approach God properly. Would you agree with that? We do. Let me give you three ways we approach God. Number one, humbly and surrendered. We approach God from a position of humility and of surrender, right? Don't come to God with your sword up. Lay your sword down. In verse 10 of the Lord's Prayer, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. One of the things he says in the prayer is, God, basically he's saying, I surrender. God, in heaven, your will's done perfectly. It's not done perfectly here. Watch the news for 10 minutes tonight, if you can stand it that long. It's not done perfectly here. In heaven, it is. He's basically, it, it, this is a, a position of surrender. Now, we're going to talk about this more in just a second. Listen, Jesus is my best friend. but He's also my Lord God. So I approach him. And you need to approach him when you pray. You enter your prayer closet. You, you come from a position of humility. And also, you're going to ask God for a lot of things if you're praying like you should. But you're coming with a position of surrender. Now, here's the second thing. This is going to sound contradictory, but we, we approach God boldly. We said, you just said humbly and surrendered. Yes, this, but we approach God boldly. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. God is our Lord. Jesus is our Lord. He is our master. He is also our father. This prayer begins, our father who art in heaven. There's a story told in, in probably in, in sometime near Jesus' day 
where a, a young boy was the son of the Roman emperor. And there's crowds of people around, and the Roman emperor was almost considered a god, and so people were, were you know, kept back from it. And the, the son sees the dad, and he takes off running, and he just almost tackles, you know, how kids will, like Bailey, will hit your leg and grab a hold of you. And people didn't know that it was his son. You get away from him. That's the emperor. That's the emperor. He goes, he's the emperor, but he's my daddy. And, folks, God is my God, but he's my father. Remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says, Abba, Father. Literally, that Aramaic phrase, Abba, meant Daddy. Isn't that sweet? Jesus was saying, Daddy, I need your help. So I can approach God from a position of humility and surrender, but boldly. Because you know what? God's door's open, and he says, come on in. Isn't that great? So that's why I can come in boldly. And here's the last thing. You approach God in faith. Now, some, some of us aren't doing this. A lot of us aren't doing this. How many of you pray, pray, pray about something and then it happens and you're surprised? Raise your hands, you dishonest people. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. been praying about something and all of a sudden, shazam, and it's like, that was just a coincidence. That's what the devil always wants you to tell you, isn't it? Is that it's a coincidence. In Hebrews eleven six, you better learn this verse. And, and, Without faith, it is what? Read this with me. Impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Listen, when you go to God in prayer, if you're just mumbling and you're just talking, you're just babbling, hoping something's going to happen, that's not prayer. That's just superstitious wishing. When you get in your prayer closet, you say to yourself, This is not based on feeling, it's based on fact, and God is here, God is in the room, God's going to listen to me, God loves me, God cares, and God's going to respond. You ought to write these things down. For years I had these on a little card, and I would read it when I'd have my daily devotion. God loves me, God hears, God cares, and God's going to respond. You need to get that in your head to your heart. So when you approach God, are you expecting anything to happen? Yes, but we're still surprised because we don't expect it like we should. Approach God in faith. Enter your prayer closet believing that you and God are fixing to connect, okay? Well, I don't feel it. It's it's not a feeling. It's based on faith. Now, here's the third thing and kind of the meat of what we're talking about tonight. Our daily prayer time should be all-encompassing, all-encompassing. In verse 6... It says, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, let me chase a rabbit just for a second. I hope you have prayer partners. I hope you have people you meet with and pray, pray with. We ought to pray at church more than we pray. That's a wonderful thing. Nothing substitutes for you and God getting alone. And that's the hardest thing to do. You measure your prayer life by how much you are alone with God, okay? And that's what he, that's the emphasis here is getting alone with God. The word prayer there in your Bibles, remember the New Testament was written in Greek, and the word prayer there is an all-encompassing word. There's words that mean asking or specific requests. This word means everything that prayer is, praising God, confession of sin, thanking God, praying for others, praying for yourself. So when... Throughout the day, you, you, you might praise God, you might confess a sin, you might pray for somebody, you might thank God. But when I get alone with God, well, you're doing it in the evening, you're doing it in the morning, whenever it is, you're doing it both times. 
approach it from the, 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 the aspect that there are a lot of things you want to cover in prayer besides just asking. Asking is one thing. Oftentimes we refer to this prayer as what prayer? The Lord's Prayer. And that's not a bad thing at all. It's really the disciples' prayer because it was Jesus teaching the disciples and us how to pray. When I was in high school, and, and, and looking back on this, I admire my coaches. We would say this after every football game. Now, I was not a Christian. Most of my teammates weren't Christians, and we had cussed well for two hours. And now we're going to kneel and hold hands and say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And that's fine. I'm for that. But this prayer was given more for a pattern than to be rotely spit back to God. Does that make sense? I was talking to a man years and years and years ago in Texas. He was in his 40s. And he said, Pastor, every night before I go to bed, I say the Lord's Prayer. And, and that's fine, but this is, you need to move past that. This is given patterns of prayer. Not everything the Bible teaches about prayer is here, but the, there's major principles we need to get. So let's look at these things. What are the different aspects of prayer here? Number one, you praise God. When you get along with God, the first thing I believe you ought to do is you ought to praise God. Look in verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word word hallowed means sacred and honored and esteemed. To the Jewish people, the name was not just an identification like, hey dummy, or hey Chris, or or, or whatever. It, It was talking about someone's character and their personhood. When you talked about their name, you were describing them. So, so what Jesus is saying, man, when you begin your prayer time, begin it by praising God. Begin it by saying, God, I love you. God, you are holy. You are wonderful. Holy Spirit in me, you are beautiful. Jesus Christ, you're the Son of God, my Lord, I love you. That's what praising God is. Remember, there is a difference in praise and thanksgiving. It may be slight, but it's, it's different words in the English. It's different words in the Greek. You praise someone for, for who they are. You thank them for what they do. That's a simple way to, uh, to think about it. I can tell my wife she's beautiful. She's a great hairdresser. She's a great wife. That's praising her, isn't it? And that's also intelligent on my part. Amen? But that's what praise is. How many of you think God is worthy to be praised? You don't have to raise your hand on this. How many of us don't do it very well or very often? Praise God. Here's the second thing, and that's forgive other people. Forgive other people. Look in verse 12. This is not the fun stuff, by the way. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, the... Some translations will say sin here. The word debt is a Jewish way of talking about sin. Uh, It's what someone owes you or what you owe God. And here it's talking about what someone owes us. Uh, A debt is a trespass. It's a sin. It's doing something you shouldn't do. A debtor is the one who owes something. We're a debtor to God. But you know there are people who are debtors to you, aren't they? People who've hurt you, who've let you down, who've done wrong. Here's what this is saying in verse 12. You read the verse in, in, in the English, you can see it plainly too. God, I want you to forgive me as I have already forgiven those who have sinned against me. In the Greek language, it's called an aorist tense of a verb. It's talking about it's a completed action in the past. God, I've forgiven them. Now I'm asking you 
to forgive me. How many of you agree this is not fun or enjoyable? The only part of the Lord's Prayer that gets any commentary is this section here. Isn't that interesting? How many of you think Jesus knew what he was talking about and the Bible never misses the point? Look in verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive those for others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Most translations are more specific. This is the English standard, which would say, forgive those who sin against you. Look at verse 14, but if you, 15. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. Now listen, he's talking to Christians here. This is teaching Christians how to pray. It's not salvation. And, and I think we'll fully understand this with the next point. But here's what God's saying. You, you want to be bitter? You want to hold on to resentment? Hey, man, I understand. Everybody in here has got a little gray hair or a little bald spot showing. You've been hurt before. Some of you have been hurt badly. Forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you jump back into a situation where you're hurt or you're harmed. Forgiveness doesn't mean you go back to places that aren't healthy or good for you. Forgiveness just means I'm going to send it away and let it go. I'm going to let God knock them over the head, and I pray he does it soon. Amen? (laughs) But if I don't forgive, I can raise my hand when we sing. I can say amen to the preacher. I can go to every Bible study there is. But my prayer life, my prayers won't hit the ceiling. Are you following me? You need your prayers to be effective. Bitter people's prayers are not effective. Someone said, when you don't forgive, you burn the bridge that you have to cross yourself. You've got them, but now you're stuck on the wrong side of the river too. I praise God. I forgive others. Number three, not fun too. I confess my sins to God. I think number two and three may be the most crucial things because I think these are bridges that we don't or don't cross with God. Look in verse 12 again. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. God, forgive me, my debts, my sin, what I have done against you. This isn't salvation. This is fellowship, Christian forgiveness. Now, I've had Christians tell me before, well, we don't need to confess our sins. That was all forgiven at the cross. Read your Bible. I'm not making this up. Now, when you were saved, man, your past was forgiven. The sin of unbelief was forgiven. The the process of daily forgiveness is wide open. But 1 John 1, 9 was written to Christians for a reason. It says, read that. What's the first word there? If. Conditional. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, as a Christian... Not salvation, but my fellowship with God is big part of it is dependent on me dealing properly with my sins. The word confess there is actually made up of two Greek words. It means to say the same thing about. So when I confess my sins, I say the same thing about my sins that God does. Here's what I say about my sins a lot of times. Well, if it wasn't for my wife. Clayton and Wayne, you know. Brian, it's Brian. And God says, oh, no, chubby, it's not them. (laughs) You laugh way too much at that. (laughs) Brian, we're not on the live stream, are we? Okay, good. (laughs) God says, God says this about your sin and my sin. God says your sin is your fault. 
God says, you are responsible for your sin. You cover it up. You say, well, it's not that bad. It's not that big a deal. It's not sin. God says, confession is agreeing with God about your sin, that it's yours and what it is and what you've done. It's not, listen, it's not just saying at the end of your prayer time, God, forgive me if I've sinned. You've sinned. Confession means I get specific I get open, I get honest. God, I've said this, I shouldn't have. I thought this and I shouldn't have done this. It's getting open and specific with God. Now, you want to bypass this? This is just one of a bunch of verses, Psalm 66, 18. It says, if I had cherished iniquity, sin in my heart, the Lord would have what? Not listen. That's why that one verse alone, but there's many more. A lost person does not have a prayer life because they don't have a relationship with Christ. Now, God loves them. He's waiting for them to respond. But, but a lost person doesn't have a prayer life. A Christian who is full of bitterness or full of sin doesn't either. So here's what you need to think about. Somebody you love is in the ICU unit, and you're full of bitterness and full of junk and full of sin. You better call somebody else to pray for them. Or, or you write your own rules, but I'm going to go by the rules here. Well, actually, here. Would you agree with me? That was my watch, so that means we get to stay for a long time now. I can't see my watch. Somebody will run up and get it, I'm sure. Confess your sins. Thank you. Thank you, Bailey, and Alicia made her do that, so Alicia's birthday just went real south. (laughs) Here's number four, thank God. Thank God, thank God, thank God when you pray. Now, it's interesting, in the Lord's Prayer, Thanksgiving's not mentioned. Isn't that interesting? But it's mentioned all throughout the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is one of my favorites. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for my life? Here's one thing that you be thankful. That doesn't say you're thankful for everything. There's evil, sinful, bad things that happen. You're thankful despite what's going on is what that's saying. Thank God when you pray. Remember, you praise them for who they are. You thank them for what they do. And when you're thanking God, man, thank God for how he's blessed you. Thank, when was the last time you thanked God for protecting you from stuff? For what didn't happen? Thank him for what didn't happen, for how he's blessed you. Thank him for how he's blessed your family. Uh, Ambrose was an early Christian leader, and he said this, and I, I, maybe this is true, but it's, it's certainly good. No duty is more important to the Christian than thanking God. Well, it may not be the most important, but it's got to be right up there, doesn't it? If you're like me, and most of you are, we pray about stuff for years, and we thank God for a few minutes once the answer comes. Thank God when you pray. Number five, pray for others. Pray for others. You hear the word intercession. That's what praying for other people is. Verse 11 is great. Give us, you see the plural, our daily bread. Verse 13 Lead us not into temptation. You see the plural there. Again, throughout the, the, the New Testament, uh, the praying for other people is mentioned a, a lot. What do you pray for other people? Well, I pray that they'll be saved if they're not saved. Pray that they'll live for Christ if they are. One of the things I pray for a lot of people is that they'll get in church. I'm not talking about just people in Ruston. I'm talking about family members and friends because that's so important to be in church. Pray they'll be in church. Pray that God will convict them. Pray that God will punch them. Not too hard, but punch them if they need to get redirected. Pray that they'll get in God's will and stay in God's will. So many things to pray for them. Listen, here's, here's two great concepts with intercession. 
when you pray for another person, you are putting your hand in God's hand and you are putting the other hand on their shoulder. Isn't that wonderful? When you pray for other people, you connect them and God. Isn't that beautiful? The word intercession literally means to go before royalty on behalf of someone else. When I pray for someone else, you pray for someone else, you are going before the God of the universe on their behalf. Isn't that awesome? So pray for other people. Man, that is, that's going before royalty on behalf of another person. And here's the, the, the sixth thing. Pray for yourself. Isn't this your favorite part here? Don't lie. You're in church. Give us our daily bread. It, now, the bread was a staple of the diet then. But most scholars say that this isn't just talking about God, give me a cupcake, which isn't a bad prayer. It's talking about the necessities of life. In verse 13, it says, And pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The word temptation in your New Testament is an interesting word. Sometimes it's translated temptation. Sometimes it's translated test. God will test us. God never tempts us to do evil. You you hear me? That always comes from Satan. And so one of the things he's praying here, you pray and ask God, God, meet my needs physically, emotionally, spiritually. Meet my needs. God, listen, boy, isn't this a good prayer? God, protect me from doing something dumb and sinning. Protect me from evil. Protect me from from going down the wrong path. Again, what can you pray for yourself? The, the, The list is... Uh, unlimited. Man, pray you love God more. You love people more. Pray that you'll pray more. When was the last time you said, God, give me a hunger for prayer and a hunger for your word? God, show me my gifts and use my gifts. Galatians 5, and 23 are the fruit of the Spirit. Ask the Spirit of God every day to fill you, control you, and to manifest himself in your life. It's endless what you can pray for others and yourself. But man, pray for yourself how many of you don't raise your hand how many of you have a little temper problem or a little tongue problem don't raise your hand point at somebody that'd be good you know one thing that'll help it Brandon but another thing would be Jesus right pray about those things I'm just bad tempered that's how my granddad was well because your granddad was a goofball doesn't mean you have to be amen don't Pray about those things. And here's number seven. Listen to God. Man, listen to God. Take time. You listen to God in your Bible. You listen to Him at church. But take time to be quiet before God. Now, this is a discipline that's hard to learn. you got a decision. You write those decisions. And you ask God to speak to your heart, to give you a peace or an uneasiness. You, sometimes you just want to be quiet and say, God, speak to me. Sometimes you won't hear or feel anything. Sometimes you're going to walk away and go, man, God just told me again He loves me. Let me give you the name of two books that will really help you with listening to God. Number one is a book by Charles Stanley called How to Listen to God. Isn't that unique? Read that 30 years ago. Phenomenal book, How to Listen to God. Here's another book by Charles Stanley. It's called The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. Patsy, we have both those in our library, don't we? Great books. You go, how do I listen to God? Those are great starting points. So take time to listen to God. Man, it'll bless you. It'll change you. Here's the last thing. We're going to wrap it up. Consistent prayer, uh, consistent prayer life will change your life. Folks, I believe that with, with absolutely all my heart. Luke 11, one, one more time. 
I'm going to paraphrase it. Y'all are looking at it. But Jesus had been praying. The disciples saw him. And they said, Jesus, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples how to pray. They didn't ask him, Jesus, teach us how to preach, teach us how to sing. They didn't even ask him, Jesus, teach us how to, to, to read the Bible. They said, teach us to pray because they connected the dots. That's where his power, his love, his effectiveness came. That's where your power and effectiveness will come too. I read a study this week from the University of Wisconsin. A few years old, University of Wisconsin, by the way, is not a conservative uh, school, but, but they, their sociology department did a study and came back about prayer and it said that prayer helps us with, with harmful emotions. Well, duh. Of course it does. When you're forgiving other people, confessing your sin, and asking God's help, it's going to help you. It's going to help you. Most of you know who David Jeremiah is. This is a great quote by David Jeremiah. David Jeremiah said, if you want God's blessing on your life, there is no alternative to prayer. I want God to bless my church, bless my family, bless my life. There is no shortcut. There is no cliff note. There is no alternative to having a great Prayer life. And the wonderful news this evening is you can have a great prayer life. Isn't that wonderful? So here's what we need to do right now. You're a Christian. Some of you are doing really well here. Keep it up. Keep up in your game. Keep growing in your prayer life. Make that commitment. Some of you aren't doing so well. I mean, you've got the head knowledge and you can argue and all that. But you just don't pray very much. Make a commitment. Maybe we're going to have an invitation. Maybe you want to come and pray at the altar, pray with one of our ministers, and say, God, I am recommitting my life to you into prayer. Come and do that. Maybe you want to join the church tonight. You can do it after church. You can come. I want to tell you, we're a church that loves prayer, and we want to teach you how to pray. Come join us. And you're here tonight, and you've never given your life to Christ. Here's an opportunity for eternity. You can come down here, or you can catch me after church, and we will pray And we'll help you call on the name of Jesus in prayer to save you forever. Isn't that wonderful? It's available. Wayne, let's, let's, uh, you stand. We're going to have a time of invitation. And we invite you to respond to what you've heard.